0: Hello and welcome to Primary Sources, a spin-off podcast from the Doctor Who show, where we take what fans were saying about Doctor Who in the 80s and the 90s, generally in letters to Doctor Who magazine, and we riff on it. The conversation might stick closely to what's said in the letters, or it might go somewhere else entirely. This is podcasting without a safety net, folks. For this episode, I'm joined by my Doctor Who show co-host, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello, Rob. Well, here we are again. And I have a copy of Doctor Who magazine in front of me. Any guesses as to what it might be or even any preferences?
1: Uh, I'm going to go for 197.
0: Oh, much lower. It is 133. (laughs) Goodness, okay. From from February of 1988. Okay. We've had the
1: first McCoy era. We're waiting for the second. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Our first letter is called To Clarify. May we, through your columns, clarify a couple of points that seem to be causing confusion. The first concerns episode 14 of The Trial of a Time Lord. Yes, it was wholly ours. When J&T asked us to write this episode, he explained that we had to start from scratch. For copyright reasons, he could tell us nothing at all about the original story or conception. We simply had to follow on from script 13 – devising a story and ending for the 14-parter entirely of our own. And indeed, it is true that we had less than a week in which to conceive and write the ultimate episode. So, once and for all, we state categorically that, for better or worse, we were the sole authors of episode 14 of Trial of a Time Lord. Second point, the Rani. She was created by us, and we own the copyright on the character, as we do the Vervoids and the Tetraps the Lucertians, etc. Having put the record straight, we'd like to thank the many fans who have written to us. We will try to reply to them all as and when the pressure of work permits. Yours sincerely, Pippin Jane Baker, Ruislip, Middlesex. Did you say Ruislip? I said Ruis... Is that not how you say it? It's not Ruislip, is it? R-U-I-S-L-I-P Is that Ruislip? I think that's Ruislip. Okay, we'll leave that in. People, (laughs) Tweet us, let us know.
1: <laughs> uh, look, I mean, as, as you open that letter, I was I, um, I sort of a couple of sentences in and going, "Well, there's only two people this could be by, and that's yeah. Pip and Jane Baker, bless their little cotton socks." So uh, <laughs> that was that was very, very interesting. And yeah, we're we're still talking about Trial of the Time Lords more than a year after. It's finished broadcast, which is reflective, I think, in a number of these letter pages of just how long debates take to really mature and be discussed when somebody writes in, the letter gets published, it gets read, somebody writes in the reply to that, and suddenly it's six months before you've exchanged three letters each. And, yes. <laughs> you know, it's it's a bit different from, from Twitter. Very much so. So I, I, I do like that. It's, it's always interesting when you think about and Jane writing that last episode, and as they say, with JT giving them a description of what's come before, and literally a BBC lawyer standing there so he doesn't give away any of Eric Saywood's script. Mm. The, the task is a little easier, perhaps, than it seemed because the exposition was in Robert Holmes's episode 13. So the big exposition scene where the master pops up and says, so he's this person and he's that person, this has happened and this has happened, that's kind of all done. Yeah. So the fact that that kind of makes no sense and all is a bit dull isn't Pip and Jane Baker's fault at all. That's actually Robert Holmes and Eric Sayward's fault. They do, however, give a pretty decent little romp end. Now, if this was a four-parter or a six-parter, and they were just doing a fun little romp through the Matrix finale.
0: Mm-hmm. You'd
1: say, "Yeah, okay, pretty, pretty good job done." But it was a fourteen-episode epic, and it does feel a little bit light on. But but it has got all that Pippin Jane tropes. It has got lots of nice big words and big language <laughs> that that kids can go away and look up and try and learn. I, I like that about their style, even though it doesn't always seem all that naturalistic. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 does have their attempt to do some genuine research and and sci-fi and say, you know, what are are some big words that we could use? Well, what about a megabyte modem? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, I do do agree with something that Brendan Jones has said on a few occasions, Mm -hmm. which is that the way the scene there is meant to be done is Mel looks at it, uses the knowledge that she has of 1980s computing and goes, oh, that's a megabyte modem. And the Doctor's meant to be saying no good try it's a mazer, and that i think is how the scene's meant to be played but it's not how it was played so it looks like it is a megabyte modem yeah. and <laughs> and that's unfortunate but uh you know people get hung up on that
0: um yes they do
1: they did a good job in the circumstances they genuinely care about the craft they genuinely care about educating kids they're not great naturalistic writers but oh. not many people were in the colin baker era so um, you know, bless their bless their eyes, you know, good on them.
0: And lovely that they rode into the magazine. I mean, in past episodes, we've had uh, John Pertwee's Widow. We've had uh, Ray Kuzik. We've, we've had a few interesting people ride into the mag before.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it is just that level of engagement that you perhaps wouldn't expect today. I don't think you'd expect it today. No. But also a very sort of old school acceptance that you know what we're writers and some people will like our work and some people won't and that's fine we'll move on to our next project and life goes on
0: yeah they always seem pretty good with that stuff whether you know it's clips of them actually facing up to people saying this to their face or or whatever very different to the modern era where you're not allowed to say bad things because the writer might see you know oh that's very bad
1: yeah no I i think they are wonderfully professional Individuals and very good-hearted individuals, mm. and uh, look, their, their, their stories aren't you know in my top of of much. Although Terra the Vervoids is my favourite Colin, so uh, that's good. I, I don't think they write Colin very well. Uh, I don't think they write Mel as well as she would get elsewhere, which is a shame. Mm. Um, although she's better with Colin, as I've said, but I I do think they write Colin very well. I think Colin in Vervoids is. Very
0: good. Oh, utterly charming.
1: Yeah, so yeah, lots of positives for me, even if they're not my favourite writers.
0: Alrighty, well let's move on. And I think this one's uh, timely, given we're heading towards the 60th. It's called Let's Celebrate. With Doctor Who reaching its 25th anniversary, I hope the BBC celebrate it with the respect it deserves. It's a great program that has provided many years of entertainment for millions of viewers around the globe. It has also made a fortune for the television network, so the BBC should recognise all this and pay an honest tribute to the programme. This is what I suggest the BBC could or should do, whether they will or not, is another matter. Number one, have another 90-minute film. Number two, have a special documentary. Number three, repeat one story from each Doctor on BBC Two in a season similar to the 1981 repeats. Number four, the BBC should hold a big celebratory party, inviting the press for big publicity. Number five, invite a member of our royal family to the studio recording of the next season. It is not unknown for royalty to visit a television set to celebrate something, Coronation Street, The Good Life, and it is also well documented that the family have been viewers of the series. Whatever the BBC and the series production team decide to do, I hope they make the anniversary a truly memorable one. Rod Beecham, Liverpool.
1: Oh, Rod. Yeah, sorry, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't quite work out that way, Rod. Um, <laughs> In fact, the, the I don't know. I, I was going to say the 25th anniversary is the one that kind of didn't happen. And in my mind, the 30th was actually probably bigger. I know. That's partly perhaps because I was five years older during the 30th and I was more involved in fandom in the 30th but but even so I mean you go through was there a t- new Five Doctors style movie for the 25th anniversary no. no the story that was credited as being the 25th anniversary story shouldn't have been it should have been Remembrance of the Daleks in my mind it is because that, that one does feel like a celebration of 25 years of who? It's got the Daleks. It's got Todder's Lane. It's got 1963 Earth. You know, that.
0: But it's still just a regular episode. At the, oh, but it's still just story, a regular episode. story, I should say, at the same time, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, look, that, that's, that's really true. I don't think there was a doco, although the Peter Hanning 25 Glorious Years book did come out. But
0: Some may argue there was something filmed for, like, Canadian public broadcast TV Oh,
1: the Oh, the making of Silver Nemesis, yes. That's it. That's about the yes, closest let's make we magic. got to a docker. Yeah, let's make magic, <laughs> let's that make one. Magic. Yes, I remember that, yes. Oh, my goodness, yes. Um, probably not what Rod was after no. either.
0: I, I don't know if repeats happened. I don't think they did. No, uh, the big celebratory party inviting the press for big publicity.
1: Yes, well, J&T certainly would have done that. <laughs> uh, look, the royal family bit was interesting. That's actually the part that I really kind of latched on to in my, my thinking uh, because before he said The Good Life, I actually do remember... Watching on one of the many repeats of The Good Life here, that Royal Command performance of The Good Life, whatever it was, which which starts with uh, the Queen and I think with the Duke of Edinburgh arriving at the the, the the studio and being greeted and they have this tour of all the sets and how it's sort of all filmed and then they go into filming an episode that for the rest of it is just like a normal episode, yeah, albeit yeah. With, with the Queen in the audience. The Royal Family being fans of the show. Now, that's a new one to me.
0: I seem to have read that somewhere, you know, but I don't know whether it's like an urban legend that's been repeated and then once it's in print, it, it's now a fact, and then other people repeat it. I don't know if it's one of those situations. Yeah. I have something at the back of my head that I have heard that before.
1: Yeah, look, whether it's a uh, one of those ones where somebody said to somebody, oh, are you fans of Doctor Who? Like, oh, sure, yeah, why not? Like, they're not going to say, no, we think it's terrible. Um, I yeah. certainly can't think of any real anecdotes that I can, for example, with Prince Charles liking the goodies.
0: Or Python where, or things like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. To, to, to the point where Charles was asked by Timbrook Taylor in front of... Executives at the BBC. So, if we wrote a cameo for you, would you do it? And he said yes. And Tim made the point of asking in front of the executives, so they couldn't say, "Oh no, he'd never do that." It's like, well, you saw him, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it was written for him and it was all good to go uh, until the firm just quietly said, "Sorry, Charles, that's not happening." I know that they asked Edward to be in *Silver Nemesis*, and I think that that was very politely declined, and that's what led to the
0: impersonator the
1: the impersonator of the queen (laughs) turning up yeah my memory of that is that it wasn't because edward was a particular fan it was because edward was known to sort of you know be involved in the in in the business so to speak Mm. and he was perhaps seen as the most gettable um, because you know he was he was the junior at the time (laughs) that's it my my understanding of it is he certainly didn't jump in and go i'd love to do that it was kind of like no Mm. um Mm. so yeah that that was interesting but I mean, the twenty fifth anniversary. It is the season before it was cancelled, and it does kind of feel like that. You know what? Let's just concentrate on making a series. Yeah. Let's just keep this thing on the rails. Let's keep this on the TV. Let's. You know, it, it's not nineteen eighty three. It's not. Hey, can I have a whole extra budget to make the five doctors? Sure. Hey, ABC, do you want to do a co production? Give us some money. Why not? Yeah. It's. It's look, just shut up and make the show and hope no one cancels us.
0: Yeah, but the fans haven't caught up with that yet, Dave. I mean, we still have mm. letters letters around this era where people saying like, oh, I hope the next season goes back to 24 episodes. And, you know, people just got no idea what's going on, I don't think.
1: No, I think that's really tr- true. And that's very, very interesting. And, and, and as I say, I do compare it to the 30th where there were whole ranges of merchandise that came out. There was the Resistance's useless doco... I think that, yeah, 30 Years in the TARDIS came out. Mm. Uh, that was certainly a big deal at the time. There, there was a lot more sort of involvement and intrigue. They they tried to get um, the Dark Dimension made. Uh, they did get Dimensions in Time made. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and it's funny just to go, go down that tangent very quickly. I, I think in Australia particularly, we kind of didn't know that The Dark Dimension and Dimensions in Time were two incredibly different, distinct things. And they kind of got merged together in our our zeitgeist. So when they said at the club meeting, hey, we've got Dimensions in Time, we kind of thought, oh, that's that kind of thing that has Mm. all the doctors and it's sort of... Okay, and then we sort of watched it and gone, wow, this is not (laughs) what we expected. No. (laughs) No, so... uh, yeah, probably the weakest anniversary of the show's had. Maybe the 40th. That was pretty, pretty poor.
0: Yeah, true. Shall we move on? We should. Final letter. This one's from the USA, and it's called Welcome Change. I received Doctor Who very late at night on a PBS station, and though I've seen the same episodes five times over, I still enjoy them every time. It certainly beats the typical and boring American storyline of perfect-looking people who beat up or blow up the bad guys and make off with a pretty girl for drinks and a night of we all know what. Here, we've seen it too many times, and it's dull to begin with. Doctor Who, on the other hand, has flair, originality and imagination, and what it may lack in special effects, it more than makes up with with the storyline and warm approach with a hero that doesn't drink or take drugs. He's simply a caring, loving and intelligent person whom we can look up to and learn from, quite a change from what we usually receive in the USA. As for the books and magazines, I find The Doctor Who magazine a well-done publication, which I've followed and enjoyed for quite a while. I would, however, like to see a return of the posters, with less advertisements on the back, please. The paperback books, I find, are quite nice, especially for those of us who are unable to view all of the older shows. The only target book I find disappointing is Slipback, Having the Doctor become intoxicated was simply inexcusable and making him weak and old wasn't a plus either. Finally, I'd like to say that I could have made this letter a hundred pages long with praise. Doctor Who is simply the best program on the air with, as I said before, a hero we can all love and learn from. Doctor Who is a part of our lives and a welcome and joyous part. Long live Doctor Who. We love you. Ron Plath, Indianapolis, USA.
1: I haven't been to Indianapolis. I must get there one day.
0: And say hello to Ron. And say hello to Ron. Uh, he doesn't of... like drinking, though. I think that came up a few times.
1: That, 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 that's okay. I can get by. I with that. A couple of quick comments first, and I want to dive into something bigger. Sure. As we do more of these episodes, I'm rapidly reaching the conclusion that if you snuck in a sneaky little... By the way, your magazine's awesome. Your letter was more likely to be printed.
0: <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Um, it's a shame he didn't like slip back because, look, I'm not a fan of the radio show, but the novel, which is basically um, full of character assassinations of James and t and Gary Downey, is horrifically <laughs> nasty but very entertaining. Um, and I suspect that went over Ron's head at
0: the time he was... I'd say so.
1: ...reading it. Um, something that we don't talk about a lot, and maybe we need to explore one day, mm-hmm. is the American experience of Doctor Who. Yes. Because obviously the British experience is very well known, very well spoken about. I think the Australian experience is almost certainly absolutely second to that because we grew up generations of us with British television, British culture, some things we missed out on, but a lot of things we got. And obviously we know we got those regular repeats of Dr. Who. So we had more of the show, but we were very much removed from the fandom and the hype and the merchandise. And, and there was a, a real different balance of things there. Mm. America, I think is different again. And that experience of it being on PBS late at night, sometimes as omnibuses, sometimes in very random and different orders must have been a very different thing again. And and unlike Australia, where Doctor Who was just another show made by the BBC that was on all the time, here it was like the Good Life and the Goodies mm-hmm. and Yes Minister, just etc. 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 Um, you know Parkinson. You know we just we knew all these celebrities yeah. in 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 the UK because we saw Parkinson again and again and again and got to watch his irritating interviewing style again and again and again. Uh, Rumpole. You know, Rumpole. Rumpole was, Rumpel was you know repeated. Every time they got a new season of Rumpole, they'll repeat the last seven yeah. to, to, to make sure you knew what you'd missed, to make sure you're all caught up. Yeah, so whereas in America, this would have been a much rarer thing, British television, and it really must have stuck out like Ron says. Um, I, I was a little cynical at the start when he was talking about how Doctor Who's different. I, I did think, yes, Doctor Who doesn't do all the things that rate, <laughs> <laughs> And there's a reason for that. Um, but it, it, it just... It must have been so so unusual and different over there compared to us in the UK, and and that's something that maybe we do need to sort of explore one day.
0: Well, I have a book here called Red, White, and Who. It's it's yes. like a it's like a brick. You've it's mentioned huge. it before. Yes, yes. Yeah, and and look, from time to time, I've started reading and thought this is really interesting. But my God, there, it, there's a lot in it. It's very dense, and I I really haven't given it its proper due. Maybe I should read that and sort of. Maybe we should get a real live American on the show or something as well, Dave, and we'll do a, <laughs> we'll mm. do, a do an interrogation of them and see what uh, see what they think. Yeah, that that might have legs.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's something that I think hasn't been spoken about quite as much, and I, I was really interested to hear Ron's take, and that did remind me of it. It, it must have been different.
0: Yeah very much so and and you know I, I made light of him not liking the drinking but he mentions you know taking girls off for some you know what and you know they don't he doesn't beat people up and stuff. The Doctor is a very different character.
1: Yeah absolutely and and there is an appeal to that particular for certain people in the audience who aren't larrikins, who aren't jocks, mm. who, who are quieter, who are more motivated by more cerebral things and and you know not Every movie has to be about getting the girl. Mm. Um, Completely random, but one of my favourite movies is A Few Good Men. And there's a scene in that about two-thirds through where uh, Debbie Moore was talking to um, um, Tom Cruise. And I thought, oh, this is it. This is going to be the scene where the guy gets the girl. And no! And I thought, how amazing. Like, this is unusual. (laughs) Uh, And and I think that it's good to not have that all the time. And, um, yeah, look, I mean, we, we, we know we like Doctor Who. We don't need to go further down that path
0: yeah as ron says long live doctor who we love you i think that's a good ending for i think
1: that's a very good ending that's been a particularly fun selection rob i've really enjoyed those even more than normal thank you